Ivy Cliff, and I'm cool with that. And today I'm going to make like Kanye West at the awards, and I'm going to speak, all right? I'm going to talk today. And I'll talk about the things of God this morning. But hey, look, this morning it is Father's Day, and what a privilege it is to be here on Father's Day. And I think uh, as we have acknowledged all our fathers today, let's just give them another hand this morning for being fathers to us. I think it's also pertinent to include in that, in, in that um, acknowledgement of fathers that we acknowledge those that uh, maybe fathers, maybe not paternal fathers, but maybe fathers to a ministry, maybe adopted fathers. So let's give them a hand as well this morning. Amen. And last of all, I think it's really, really important to acknowledge those mothers who at time have to be fathers and have had to be fathers for a variety of different reasons. Let's give them a special hand this morning. Amen. And most importantly, let's give it up for the Lord this morning, our Heavenly Father. Yeah? Yeah. Amen. 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 Well. Like I said, Father's Day, and it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be Father's Day, and it wouldn't be complete without a good dad joke, huh? a good dad joke. So let me kick off this morning's service. So boy had just, or a young teenage boy had just got his driver's license, and he goes to his father, and his father's a pastor, and he says to his dad, hey, dad, so I've got my license now, how about I, um, I use the car, right? Dad says, um... You know, son, I'm really proud of you for getting your license, but, you know, th there are a couple of things more or additionally that I want to see you do before uh, I let you use the car or my car, right? So he says, first of all, I want to see you continue to keep up your grades at school. Easy, okay? You're already doing okay. So keep up your grades. Second of all, if you could, if I could see you praying more, reading your Bible more, that would really do something for my heart. And third of all, you know, you've got long hair, it's scraggly. If you can cut it, that would be great. That's a bonus. A couple of months pass. The boy comes back to his father and he says, Dad, how about, I, you know, letting me use a car? His dad says, well, son, let's have a talk about it. I'm really proud of the way you've kept your grades at school. You've done really awesome. Second of all, I've seen you, as I go past your room every night, I see you on your knees. I see you praying, using your Bible. Fantastic. Great work. Keep it up. He said, son, you're here. You've kept your hair long. You haven't cut it. And the boy, you know, sort of coming into those teenage years, what they're like, very smart. He said, well, Dad, see, I've thought about this. He said, you know, see, Samson, when he cut his hair, he lost all of his strength. And he says, see, Moses had long hair. John the Baptist had long hair. Because even Jesus had long hair. And the father says, well, you know what, son? You're absolutely right. And they walked everywhere too. <laughs> Aren't you glad that our Heavenly Father loves us unconditionally? I got one more for you. A preacher, pastor, was up on stage and he just finished his sermon and he stepped off. He stepped off the stage afterwards and a little boy was up the front and he comes running up to him and says, Pastor, Pastor. He goes, when I grow up, I want to give you all of my money. The pastor says, son, that's very nice of you. Very kind of you, but why would you want to give me all of your money? He says to him, because my daddy says you are the poorest preacher he has ever heard. <laughs> I pray this morning, I pray this morning that God's word enriches your life. And that it's not about me, it's about him. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your blessing on this house. 
Father, we ask for your blessing on this word. Be here with us in spirit this morning, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I want to, if we can, if we can start, if we can turn our Bibles to John chapter 10, verse 3. And this is my opening passage. And some of you may be familiar with the passage of Scripture here. Um, and it says here in John chapter 10, verse 3, and I want to use this just to frame up the context of uh, what I'll be speaking about and, and where we'll be going with this. It says, to him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And leads them out. So I'm going to come back to that scripture in a moment, and we're going to talk a little bit about what this is saying to us, being Father's Day and all. But you see, in the job that I work, I work for, so I've told you this before, I work for the Department of Corrections, and one of the key things that I do now in the current role I'm in is I lead on what we call practice leadership inductions. So we have a very specific role in the Department of Corrections, both prison and community, which is called practice leadership. Now, practice leaders are basically what it says on the box. They lead in practice. Okay, that's their job. So they are the champions of all things that we do. They're like the best of the best. I mean, they've been with us for a certain time, and they've sort of graduated in their role as either probation officers or case managers. We can promote them into a practice leadership role. Now, the key thing about practice leadership is about what you demonstrate. It's all about how you work, um, not so much what you say, but how you say it and how you portray yourself and all those sorts of things. So I run this very unique induction maybe three times, four times a year when we have these new practice leaders coming through. Now, part of this practice leader induction, why it's so different from any other training facilitation that I might run is this is not just about teaching them philosophies or, or different ways of working and models of change and all that sort of stuff. This specific training, the real power of it all is how I demonstrate over two days how to lead. They don't know it, and we frame that up at the start, and then we sort of reveal it at the end, and we, we talk it back. It's not really about the models. It's more about what they're seeing, what they're experiencing, what they what they, what's demonstrated to them in this practice leadership induction. So about a month ago, I was running one of these inductions. People were coming in. I had about 25, 30 people in the room, two-day training. And they all came in, and they, they, so they're engaged, and they're having this experience, and they're sitting down. And I'm about an hour into my facilitation. And one of the things that we start off when we, when we start this training is we always frame up, and we have this thing we call, in our culture, in Maori culture, it's called a kawa. Okay? Our kawa is like, to translate it, uh, in simple terms, it's basically a set of rules of how we will govern this training or an agreement on how we will all act and behave as part of this training. So we set this kawa right at the front end. And one of the, the, the most more important kawa rules that people set is around using your phone. So they always, someone always says, cell phone use. So they say, what about cell phone use? And so for this particular session, the agreement was between all of us was that you could have your phone on silent but you weren't able to engage in communication with your phone until the breaks. Is that clear? Make it simple? So you weren't able to engage in it until the break. So we start the session. I'm about an hour in, and I'm doing my thing. People are engaged, and they're really into it, and you know, they're loving it. And then in my ninja peripheral vision, because my phone's over there on the table, I see it light up. Right? It's glowing. Like this room here, everyone's watching me because I'm just so engaging. Everyone's watching me. And then they, I see them all looking at me, looking at my phone. They're looking at me, they're looking at my phone. They look at me, they look at the kawa, they look at my phone. They're thinking, what's Cliff going to do? His phone is ringing, but he's just told us he can't use the phone. Now, he's the facilitator. Does he break the rules for himself? What does he do? 
And then it's, it's not just glowing. You can hear it. And as much as I try and steer everybody away, I'd walk to this side of the room and talk to them. It's there. You can't miss it. It's glowing and it's, it's, it's beeping. And I'm thinking, who is that? Right, who's calling me right now? So what I do, because I am a ninja facilitator, I said to them, one guy was saying, you know, we're talking about this. I said, great, let's whiteboard that. I spin and turn, know my whiteboard markers beside my phone. I pick it up, have a look at, glance at my phone, and I start to write on the board, right? And I see it was my father. My father was calling. He was ringing me. So now, see, the thing is, here's the thing about my father. Me and my father talk every morning, every day we talk. And when we talk, um, because of the relationship I have with my father, I love him, he loves me, sounds like a Barney song, right? But because I have a good relationship with my father, um, I know that even though I haven't answered it yet, I know what the call will likely be about. It'll either be he needs to tell me something important, or he needs to ask something of me, or he really just wants to know how my day is going. Now, because I talked to my dad before the start of the session, I had told him that I was in a facilitation today. So I'm beginning to make an assumption as I know my father's calling. He'll realize if I don't answer, he will realize that I'm in my training that I told him this morning I was going to be in. And when the phone call ends, I will ring him back at some point in the day. He'll know that. I assume that he will know that. Phone call ends. Disaster averted. I continue with my facilitation. Six minutes later. Eh, eh, my phone's blinking. It's ringing again. All right, so this time I can see, I move a little bit closer and I can see again, it is my father. And my father is calling. See, this morning, I don't want to talk to you. I know it's Father's Day. And probably people are expecting me to give a good father's message about the love of the father. Or maybe loving your father. Or maybe how we've got to be good children to our father. Something like that. But I don't want to talk about that this morning. Those things are important. I'm sure we know that. What I want to talk to you about this morning is when the father calls. I want to talk to you about when the father calls. You see, because God calls us often. God calls us often for a variety of different reasons in a variety of different ways. But he calls us often and leaves us to wonder or to ponder how he is calling us. When is he calling us? What is he calling us to? We're left with these questions. So to, and I'm going to come back to my story. Don't worry. I know you were thinking, well, what's, what's your father want? I'll tell you. Don't worry. We'll get there. We'll get there. Baby steps, people. Baby steps. But let's talk a little bit for a moment. Let's digress. And let's go to Moses, the story of Moses. Now, today I'm reading from the King, New King James Version of the Bible, and you'll see the scriptures that come up. But when I tell the story of Moses, I'm going to read from the CJT version of the, the Bible, which is the Clifford Joel Thompson version. And I'm going to take some creative liberties just to move us across the story to the place that we need to get to quite quickly. So if we go back to the story of Moses. We all know it in summary. He ends up being somewhat adopted into, the, into Pharaoh's family. He becomes this prince of Egypt. We've all seen the movie, haven't we? Deliver us. Whatever it is. Right, and it goes on. And it's a great movie, but it talks about, it says the story of Moses, and he grows up as a prince in Egypt. Okay, and he grows up in this place where he's, he's lavish. You know, you can imagine it. He knows, and he's learned all their rules. He's learned all their protocols in this land. He's learned their language. He's, he's waited on. All these things happen for Moses in this place that he's used to. But you see, something inside of him, something inside of him just doesn't feel like he fits. Something inside of him just doesn't quite feel right. And here he is. So he grows up, and we know the story as he grows, and he sees this incident happen with one of his own people, one of the slaves, and one of the guards are abusing them, 
abusing him, and, 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 and so he feels an injustice in his spirit. Something dwell, wells up inside of him, and what does he do? He ends up killing the guard, buries him, thinks no one notices and sees. Okay, So like I said, I'm just giving you the, the quick version. No one notices, no one sees. But then the next day, or sometime after, two Hebrew men are fighting, and he says to them, hey, what's going on, cousins? What are you doing? What are you up to? And they say, who are you? you you're a hypocrite. Don't tell us. Don't, don't question us. We, we know what you did. We saw, we heard. And in that moment, Moses feels what? He feels fear. The anxiety of him being caught out, the injustice of what he did. He's caught. He's, you know, he feels like he is. So what does he do? He runs. He leaves all he has ever known in this place of lavishness. And he runs where? In short, he runs to the dry place. He runs to the desert. A place that he's never known. A place that he's unsure of. He's now in a different context, a different place in his life, in an unfamiliar place. And we know he ends up becoming a shepherd. So he goes from being this, this prince to now being a shepherd, an unfamiliar role. See, what Moses didn't realize at the time is God was calling him out of his comfort zone. God was calling Moses out, but he couldn't see it because he was in fear. But he knew there was something inside of him that was stirring him up. And I believe there's something inside of us this morning. We don't know sometimes quite what it is or what it looks like or what it feels like, but we know it's, it's this thing in us that God is doing. And it's calling us out. But see, it called Moses out of his comfort. And I want to talk to that this morning because I believe, I believe you know, God may have used Moses somewhere if he'd stayed in Egypt. God possibly would have done something there with him as well. But God wasn't concerned about his convenience as he was about the building of his character. See, the, the leader that God needed Moses to be raised him in Egypt for a time, but he sent him out. He called him out for a purpose because he knew the leader that he needed to become wasn't going to be able to grow and foster and nurture fully in Egypt. He needed to be called out. Why? Ultimately, we know because he needed to go back at some point. So God was calling him out of his comfort zone. So then how does God call us? Well, one of the most important things or ways God calls us is, and the Bible says it, by name. He calls us by name. You see, there is something in the name. You know, in Shakespeare, I remember back at school, and there was this old, this, um, one of the poems or things he writes, and it says something like, like a rose by any other name was still a rose. You know, let me tell you something, Bill. You're wrong, buddy. Today you're wrong because God tells us that there's something in a name. Names are important. Names are super important to God, and I'll tell you why. We're going to go through it together. If you go with me to Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1, I'm just going to chuck this scripture in here. Isaiah 43, verse 1, it tells us this, and I'll read it nice and loud. But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, it says, fear not, for what? For I have redeemed you. So first must come redemption, must come restoration, must come repentance, but it says, I have redeemed you, and then it says this. Here's the important part. I have called you by what? By name. You see, God knows you, and he calls us by name. That's important. Ingrain that into your head this morning. And he says on this next important line after it, what does it say after that? You are what? You are mine. You belong to me. There is ownership. See, when you have a name, it, it, it demonstrates ownership. It demonstrates belonging, that you belong to something. So when it says God calls you by name, what is he saying to us? 
He's taking responsibility of us. He's taking ownership of us. And God's interchanging names and naming things. You look at what he did for Abram to Abraham. Look at the disciples. Look at creation itself. Right? He didn't just say, let there be something bright in the sky that hurts my eyes when I look at it. No, he said, let there be what? Let there be light. Let there be something wet that when I walk on it, it squidges in my toes. No, he called it water. Right? Land, all these sorts of things. Adam and Eve, man and woman, he named them. Names are important to God. Why? Because he calls us by them. Let's go back to our scripture that I framed up this morning and started with, which is John. John chapter 10, verse 3. And it might come up John 1, actually, John 10, 1, 2, 5. But I just want to focus on 3, and it says here again. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And that's important. Because, you know, if, uh, maybe last year I talked about, um, I talked about knowing God. Right? I talked about this, this concept of yada, knowing him in an intimate way. Uh, this, it's the same principle here. It says that you will know the sheep know his voice. How? Because they know him. They have a relationship with him. And I think I've used the, the example before. It's like when I go home and I open the door. See, from my front door, you can't see uh, who, who turns up. It's got to go down the stairs and then around. But when I walk in the door, I'll say, I'm home. My daughter, Georgia, knows that it's dad. She'll say, dad, and she'll come running. Why? Because my sheep know my voice. And how do my sheep know my voice? Because I spend time with my sheep. I nurture them, guide them, discipline them, love them. But then it goes on to say this, and this is important. My sheep know my voice and my own, sh- and my sheep, sorry, it says, hear my voice and he calls his own sheep by name. You got it, by name. And then it says this really important part after it, and he leads them out. Them out. And I want to tell you something today. If God is calling you into something, he won't leave you alone. If he's called you out of a place that's hard and dark and difficult, and you think, where am I? I'm in a dry place. I'm in a lonely place like Moses. Well, it says here in his Bible, here's the promise. He will lead you out. He won't just let you out. He just leads his sheep out, but he doesn't just let them out. And he say, go. You know, you're free. It says he leads them. And it goes on to say after it, after this, and when he brings out his own sheep, he what? He goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. I want to tell you this morning, church, if you're in a place where you feel God's been calling you and you're unsure and you don't know and you don't want to, God is saying, he won't just let you out. He'll lead you out. He will be with you as you step forward into that. So we go back to Moses now. And the story has fast forward to Exodus chapter 3, verse 4. And it's interesting because as I was praying about this word, knowing that it was Father's Day, a couple of weeks, maybe maybe a month or so ago, we've had a few others speak about Moses in some context. And um, we heard this, um, Neil preached about the burning bush, which was interesting. Now, I'm not going to sort of piggyback on the back of what Neil said, um, Pastor Neil said, but what I am going to say is just emphasize something here about the calling for Moses. So Moses had gone through being a prince. He is now a shepherd. He's leading these sheep up the mountain. And he gets to this place in Exodus 3, verse 4, and we know that the angels being there and the burning bushes happen. The miracles happen. Wow, God has attention. But what does it say here in Exodus chapter 3, verse 4? To Moses it goes. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, What? Did he say, Oi, come here? Now, what would have happened if God said, Oi, come here? Cousy, come. Right? Everyone would have looked the angel, Moses, and the sheep. All right? They would have said, who, who, me, you, what, who's talking to you? 
No, God calls him by what? By name, he says, Moses. Moses! Oh, man, if that doesn't get your attention, what will? And a burning bush, by the way. He called him by name. You see, there's something in the name. When I'm at home and um, I'm sitting with my dear wife and I'm sitting in the living room, you know, it's, it, how you use a name can, can also show the depth of the relationship. So I'm sitting in the living room and I say, and I'm watching the All Blacks, and I say, hey, babe. You know, I don't say Lisa, I say, babe. Hey, babe, can you get me a drink? She's like, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll get a drink. I'm watching the footy. The drink doesn't come. So I... I take babe and I escalate it to, hey, Lise, did you, um, did you hear when I asked for the drink? Yeah, sorry. S- sorry, sorry, babe. Yeah, I'll get it. I'm coming. Still doesn't come. All right, half time. So it escalates and I'm using full name now. I'm going, Lisa. Hey, Lisa. Much like Aaron's Miranda. All right, remember that? All right, I'm saying, hey, Lisa, Lisa. So how we use a name and how we speak a name can give a lot of insight into that relationship, can't it? See, it's like, like with me, see, people that don't know me might say, on the street, I go up to the shopkeeper and I say, hey, look, I want to pay for this. I say, thanks, mate. And I walk out. But if I know someone, someone comes up to me on the road, and they've sort of met me before, maybe after this today, someone might come up to me and say, hey, Clifford, that was great. You know, thanks for blessing me today. They know of me. They don't really know me. But when people know me, they call me Cliff. Hey, Cliff, how's it going? When you really know me, like my aunties do, they call me Cliffy. It's an endearing term, right? It's because they love me. Cliffy. And then if, like, you're in a relationship with me and Lisa, and in its context, call each other babe. It would be weird if I went up to Pastor Adam and said, hey, babe. (laughs) And he'd be like, (laughs) he'd be like, this is not Sodom, Cliff. (laughs) So names are important to God. But here's the important thing. There is calling. God owns the responsibility of calling. But you own the responsibility of response. God will call. But how do you respond? How do you respond? I've been around too many Maoris, I think. Okay, how do you respond? And it goes on here to say in verse 4, after he says, Moses, Moses, what is Moses' response to God when he calls him by name? He doesn't say, God, well, I have a few questions before we, we take this any further. No, what does he say? Here I am. Here I am. Church, with every call, There must be a response. You own the response, not God. He owns the call. You own the response. And that response is so important. If you look at Moses and he said, here am I. You see, when the father calls, it's not always convenient. But when he calls, man, you've got to answer. When the phone is ringing and the father's calling, it may not ring forever. Maybe once I let it go. Maybe twice he's ringing me now. My father's ringing me again for the second time, and I'm going to get to that in a moment. There's a reason he's calling. It's important. But I own the response to see what that call has for me. See, I believe a lot of us feel and hear the call in our lives. We sense it. But for whatever reason, we're unresponsive. For whatever reason, we don't come forward when God says, Cliff, I'm calling you. We say, Lord, I've been praying for that, for a calling on my life, but mm, I haven't been praying for that calling. I, I like Aaron's calling. I like Pastor Aaron's calling. I've been praying for that calling. But Lord, I don't want that calling. We're unresponsive to the things God's calling us to. 
And I want to speak to that spirit this morning because I believe there are people in here that God has been calling either for some time to move and to do something new, but you haven't. And there's a variety of reasons, but are they good enough? Like Moses' response, here I am. And with Moses facing the burning bush, I want you to hear this today. Like Moses, our destiny is in the fire. Our destiny is in the fire. And Moses running, running from his past in Egypt, he ran into his purpose. Running from his past, he ran into his purpose. God called him out. But now what does God want him to do? Moses is saying, God, I'm comfortable as a shepherd now. You took me out of there, now I'm here. Right? And what's God saying now? I want you to go back. And I want you to go back for a reason. Because you were brought up in their ways. You were brought up with their language. You were brought up with their protocols. You, when you walk into the courts and whatever you, in front of Pharaoh, you will know what to do. Others won't. They need someone that was in that context at that time. Oh, church, do you hear it this morning? Is God stirring something within you about the call on your life? Are you being responsive? My father, that call, that morning I had a decision to make. The phone was ringing. They're all watching me the second time. What do I do? Well, like I said, when the father calls, it's not always the best time. It's not always the most convenient. It's not always when I want it. But I understand because how much I love the father, how much I know the father, that that call is important. So what did I do? I answered it. I broke all the rules. And I answered it. What I said, though, was, hey, we've been going for an hour and a half. Let's take a tea break. <laughs> Let's take a cup of tea. Have a cup of tea. And then I answered the phone. You know what? I was glad I answered the phone that day, and I'll tell you why. See, that day a month ago, where my father works, he was, um, he was in a place where there was an armed gunman on their premise. And he's, because he's the senior manager there, he was the site controller, incident controller. And so after they had to do everything they did, he wanted to call me because I get all the incidents around the country. I get emailed them in the morning. And he thought I may have seen him. He was worried about me. He was worried that I would be worried for him. So when I picked up that call, my father said to me, son, I just want to let you know I'm okay. And then he said this most important thing, that in the midst of it all, God is in control. God is in control. And I want you to hear that this morning, church. I want you to hear that and understand that you may be afraid for whatever reason of this calling on your life. You may be unsure and you've been hearing it, but the phone won't ring forever. It won't ring forever. He might decide to hang up the call and ring someone else. But you don't want to miss the call that God has for you. You don't want to miss the call the Father's calling you to be and the person He's calling you to be this morning. You know, the last time I checked, we were part of the New Life Movement, weren't we? The New Life Movement. But some of us live like we're in the old life or in the same life or in the lame life. But I tell you this morning, church, if we're going to step into that name, We've got to step into every single part of what it means to be new life. And that means when God calls, you respond. When God calls, you respond. And I've got two questions for you today. Do you know His voice? That's the first thing, church. Do you know His voice? And second of all, do you hear Him calling you? Calling you out of your pain. 
It may be spiritual. It may be physical, calling you out of your struggle. That may be financial or relational, calling you out of the old, calling you to consistency, calling you to obedience, calling you to His love, to His faith, to His grace, to all of these great things, church, calling you to Him, calling you to your destiny. But will you respond this morning? So this is a nice way, a nice time for us to think about that calling on our lives. Because I believe there are people in here that either are experiencing God in some way for the first time this morning and want to get to know Him more. And they can sense that they're being called. But they need to respond. I believe there are people in this room that know the Father and have had a great relationship with Him. But somewhere along the way, you've lost your way. It got muddy and it got murky. And you just can't see your call at the moment. Well, I want to tell you there is a time, there is a place, and it is now if there is a call. If you're going to ever step up into anything and say, Lord, here I am. Don't let this moment go by. Don't let the phone ring and you don't answer it. This is the time. So I'm going to give people a moment. I'm going to give you all a moment to recommit yourselves. To step into their calling here this morning. So what we're going to do is we're all going to bow our heads. And we'll do that now. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning.